broadcasting from the Anne Frank Room in Dothan, Alabama. This is Campus Street Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Thurl. This is episode 44, Preaching Stories, part two. went forth to sow, bearing precious seed in his hand, hoping and hope that he might see it grow. Knowing that the harvest might well come before the bloom, he runs on his way, there's no time to be going Welcome, everybody, slow. to the Campus Reach Podcast, a podcast designed to encourage and equip you in the work of evangelism on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, flfnetwork.com. And we're sitting on Christmas Eve, December 24th, and if you go over to crosspolitik.com and you become a club member and you enter the code Merry Christmas, we are going to give you one free month as part of the whole uh, Christmas package, as well as send you a Fight, Laugh, Feast a pint glass that is laser engraved, and I have not personally experienced it, but I heard things taste just a little bit better out of that pint glass. So go on over to the crosspolitic.com, uh, go to club membership, enter Merry Christmas, and become a partner with us here on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, and maybe I'll be able to get out of the Helen Keller room, uh, not, the, not the Helen, the Anne Frank room, the one who is hiding. I'm at my sister's home in Dothan, Alabama, and we have about 12 people in our home right now. We're going to be up to 17 um, come Christmas Day, and my brother and I are sleeping uh, in what looks like a place where if, if you need to hide people, they would be here. It's kind of uh, a tucked away room through a closet, uh, somewhat Narnian slash Anne Frankish, and so I feel like I'm broadcasting from the Anne Frank room. So uh, that's where I'm from, and uh, here's what we're going to be doing on this episode. We're just going to be playing part two of my interview uh, with Aaron Ventura up in Moscow a month ago. Um, just kind of discussing some preaching stories as well as addressing some practical issues on campus preaching and some of the uh, apologetic issues uh, that we get. But before we get into that, uh, ever so briefly, I came across a thing today about the Pope saying that we are not to proselytize. And so I went and read all the Pope's words, and um, to be honest with you, he's a little confusing in his language. He kind of seems to take the old uh, preach the gospel always— uh, use words when necessary approach. Uh, he thinks that the Muslims and the Jews and others are going to be so impressed with his life um, that people are going to ask him why they do those things, opposed to um, preaching the actual gospel, like what you see going on in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, as well as the book of Acts. So um, I would encourage you, you know, if you're going to weigh in on what the Pope said, because uh, the way he's usually proselytizing, um, there seems to be some equivocation. Sometimes it seems to be this idea of uh, converting by the sword, other times, it seems to be uh, the idea of just simply preaching the gospel is something that he would not want to be a part of. Um, but I'm reading it through a Google translation. Um, but obviously, I'm doing evangelism. I think evangelism is a central part of the Christian message going all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. Even prior to that, you see plenty of aspect of uh, people began to call on the name of the Lord. And so worship and what it means to be a human being is a proclamation of who God is. And ultimately, the gospel is the message of Jesus and is not our lives. And obviously our lives ought to reflect the lordship of Jesus, uh, but in and of itself, our lives are not the gospel. And that's why we are celebrating Christmas, because Christ Jesus came in the world in fulfillment of Daniel chapter 2, as well as uh, many other verses. But Daniel chapter 2 tells us that the Messiah will come during the Roman Empire, and God kept his promise. Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom we are foremost. And how can we not speak about that message? Uh, um, especially as you consider some of the hymns you'll sing at this time. It's 
A lot of it is predicated on the proclamation of the gospel. So what a golden opportunity you guys have with your families and friends and everybody else here at Christmas time uh, to transition and to have a discussion about the gospel and don't fall in the papist idea that somehow your life is the gospel. So uh, Merry Christmas to you, and here's part two of my interview with Aaron Ventura. Yeah, that's basic. So if you're going to go be an open-air preacher... Just prepare. Yeah, yeah. Prepare yeah, don't have a glass side. jaw. So my, my rule is if a girl knocks me out, I can't return to the campus for five years. That is, that is, my, that is my rule. So are you so. blacklisted right now? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. Okay. I've, I've not been beat up or knocked out on a campus, okay. so, so I have that going for me. So you, you have this uh, unique experience of getting to kind of talk to college students all day long in different cities across the country. What would you say right now has been like the most common objection to the gospel or to the Bible? Like what are kind of the, maybe if you give us like the top three um, objections that you're getting right now. Yeah, to, to be honest, most of it right now, I would say the top objection, and it kind of sinks, is, it's kind of like everybody knows it, it's, it has something to do with the LGBT and trans stuff. Like that's, it just, the operating assumption is that we don't like them. You know what I mean? That's real or perceived, that's the operating assumption. So overcoming that hurdle is kind of the main thing. Um, I would say that's one of the, and it's not intellectual, it's emotional, you know what I mean? Like, and so if, and if you can put yourself in their shoes and in turn ask them to put you, you and them in their, your shoes, is, so in their perspective, it's the equivalent of being a racist, you know what I mean? So if I was out on campus saying racist stuff, most of us would be like, yeah, pretty bad, you know what I mean? <laughs> pretty bad that he's out here saying those things. So, so in their idea, it's, it's, it's a comparable element. In our head, it's a moral issue. You know what I mean? It's not the same category. So there's a miscommunication. When you go to communicate on those issues, you have to realize the context to who you're communicating with. You know what I mean? And so it's not a straight-up moral debate. Like, most of us could agree on, you know, Jeffrey Epstein's being wrong. You know what I mean? And, and so, like, we're willing to grant that or... Uh, maybe even adultery might not be a, a good thing. So that would be a moral issue. This is a separate category. This is an ontological issue. It's, yeah. You're not liking me as a woman or as a man or as a homosexual. Um, so I'd say it's probably the main thing overcoming on any campus in any day. Uh, and even sometimes I try to, honestly, I just try to avoid the issue because I'm not out there. Uh, like I always try to say, look guys, I have a 15 page agenda and that's page 15. Like I'm just, I'm not that into that issue. You know what I mean? Because the, the, the primary issue is worship. If you're not worshiping the living God, I don't expect humans to know who they are or what they are. And so the main issue is worship. Are you worshiping the living God? And from there, are we communi communicating grace, the same gospel that you and I need, they need? And are you communicating that gospel to them? Or is it a cultural war and a cultural battle um, where, where the gospel is not front and center? And if you're not doing that, you're, like, you're, you're just negating the gospel. <laughs> and, uh, and so the, the remedy is the gospel, the issue is the gospel. Then from there, uh, other things tie in. Um, usually kind of much more moral than intellectual. So I, I even feel like intellectually a little bit, the, the component isn't whether or not God exists, but what is God like? Um, so we'll grant maybe God does exist, but what is he like? Is he loving? Is he gracious? Um, and what they don't like is any notion of judgment. Any concept of judgment would be a bad thing, so you have to communicate uh, why a loving God judges. And everybody gets it intuitively, so usually the easy illustration is if a guy's standing there with a girl, if I was to attack her, what would you do? I'd beat you up. Is it because you love or hate? I love. And so... So it's not necessarily counterintuitive to our concepts of love that there would be judgment. Um, but then from there it gets to how do we draw the lines of who are we judging? You know what I mean? What, what acts do we want to exclude? We want to ex exclude Jeffrey Epstein. We want to exclude Harvey Weinstein. So it's not an issue that we draw lines. The, 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 the debate really is where do we draw the line? And um, so you know, even when I'm out there, uh, probably more recently, depends on where I'm at in the day, there, there probably is much more um, pushing forward the idea 
of the grace and mercy, kindness of God, um, because the operating assumption is I don't believe those things. You know what I mean? And so part of me being out there is overcoming some of their natural, you know, Westboro Baptist Church mentality uh, sort of stuff. So yeah, it's, it's not usually intellectual. Uh, if it is intellectual, it's how do you know? How do you know the Bible's the word of God? How do you know this? Because nobody really knows the truth, and one of the most arrogant things you do is stand out there and say, I know the truth, and so everybody is bothered by that. Um, but I would just say it's more the emotional aspect of different issues is probably the premon issue, and, and overcoming that emotion, because it is all emotional heat that you end up getting. It's not really an intellectual thing. It's an emotional force that you have to overcome. So. Yeah. So what would you say, so a bunch of college students here, some are from New St. Andrews, Christian College, some are from U of I, uh, not, and what kinds of tools should be in our tool bag of sorts when we're getting into just conversations with a roommate or a classmate or just someone, it seems like there's this general, um, you can kind of feel like the culture is just trying to gag us Mm -hmm. from being able to say anything about it. Um, So what do... Christian college students need to be doing so they don't compromise on that issue or you know they're like I just want to love this person so I'm not gonna bring it up how would you counsel us yeah well you need two things because there is there is appropriate um like I think one of the things you I think most time we just overthink it um especially when there's real differences that show up. Like, you know, if, if you're sitting in this room interacting with me, the operating assumption is we agree on a lot so we can have easy conversation with one another. And like, so when I moved to New York, coming from the Midwest, moved to New York, and you get to New York, and even the Christians there, it's like we're losing. And we are losing the culture. Like, if, it, if it's an issue of scoreboard, like, they got the scoreboard, y'all. Like, like you might not like it, but that's where we are. We are, we are on the losing end right now of the cultural narrative. But like, when I'm in New York and interacting with people, like, if I wanted to talk about football, I wasn't sitting there going, how do I talk about football with these people? I just talked to them about football. And like, so when it comes to Jesus, how do I talk, how do I talk about any relationship I have? How do I talk about anything I know or I do? It's, it's the minute that you psychologically allow it to be like this absolutely different category of your life that it's almost like suddenly you have Tourette's and you have no idea how to talk about it. And you're just like, no offense if you have Tourette's. Um, and, and, like, and, like, and you just like blurt out bad answers or you say things that are like defensive and posturing. And like when you feel like you're on the wrong side, so like I remember being a freshman in college, one of the things that was interesting, when I was in college, everybody just knew Christianity was wrong because here's what the truth is. Now Christianity is wrong because you guys think it's true. You know what I mean? So like just that flip in 20 years of what has taken place. And, and I would remember, like, my freshman year of college, I wasn't confident what I believed, so it was much more defensive posture. And so the main tool you can have is confidence in the gospel. The gospel is the power of God and salvation. If, even if you feel like you're totally ill-equipped to answer questions, you can tell people about the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And there's a guy, Craig Keener, who's a professor, and he talks about his conversion. He's this brilliant guy who just cranks out book after book. And he talks about his conversion, and uh, basically he's like, basically like these street preachers who were like, uh, fossil record is a tool of the devil. You know what I mean? He's like, what in the world? And, uh, but he was converted because they actually preached the death of the resurrection of Jesus to him. So not to go ahead and say crazy stuff like the fossil record is the tool of the devil, but I have confidence in preaching the gospel. The main tool you have is the power of God, which whether tool do you need, other than be able to, in some way, shape, or form, share the story of the death of the resurrection of Jesus, and your friends will believe. Uh, you have to have confidence that in some way, shape, or form, you can just stare that, uh, share that, and people will be converted because the power is not in you. So get equipped, be able to answer questions. But I've, I've noticed the times I'm on campus, I'm just preaching the gospel much more than answering questions, more fruitful than all my waxing when I'm like, I'm so eloquent. You know what I mean? It's just like, like it, it's foolish, but it's the preaching of the gospel that changes hearts and minds, and that's what people need. So Yeah, so how would you give us your kind of one-minute 
uh, elevator, what is the gospel? Uh, that's probably, honestly, that's probably where I overthink it. Uh, that'd be a place where I overthink. I'm like, oh, well, you have to bring in all of Israel, and you have to bring in the prophets. Kingdom. And, yeah, 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 kingdom, post what? Oh, Adam, the fall, and blah, 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 blah. And, and so, but yeah, like, you know, the basic idea is, is uh, Jesus overdid what, uh, overcomes Adam, and, and he, restores, he restores creation. So through the death and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth, God is restoring the world. And, you know, there's more we can put to it because it is more of a, a central message on Jesus. But Paul says, I pass unto you that which is of first importance. Christ died for our sins according to scriptures. He was buried. He was raised up on the third day according to the scriptures. And that's what you're sharing. And everybody knows they're a sinner. When I'm, and that's one thing that's funny. When I'm preaching on campus, if I talk about sin, everyone's like, how dare you, blah, 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 blah. And then everyone's like, we're all sinners. I was like, that's all I'm saying. You know what I mean? Like, like you guys all the time are like, we're all just sinners. All right, that's all I'm saying now. I'm saying here's what the remedy is to we're all just sinners. You know what I mean? So, so everybody knows her. There was a woman, Lauren Hill. She has a song, um, I think it's uh, The War on the Mind. She says, everyone knows that they're guilty. Everyone knows that they lied. Everyone knows that they're guilty with a conscience eating them on the inside. And that's the reality. One of my, I quote all the time Bob Dylan. He says, if people see my thought stream, my head be caught in a guillotine. And that's the reality. Your, your responsibility is to expose that going on in their hearts because like, and usually when I'm out there, I'll say something like, if my thoughts were projected up here for the world to see, no one's going to think I'm a righteous man. That's why I preach Jesus. Like, my heart's wicked. Uh, the prophets tell us that. And so it's not like a shocking thing that your neighbor's a sinner. It shouldn't be a shocking thing that you're a sinner. Uh, the, Bible, the Bible lays out a lot of really harsh stuff about us. And if you just doubt me, go home and read Romans 3. And this is what Paul says about Jews and Gentiles. Um, there's no one who does good. There's no one who's righteous. They're quick to shed blood and all that sort of stuff. So that's what the Bible describes us as. So we should not be shocked over the sins of our neighbors. Um, if anything, I'm actually relatively, I'm like, given how bad we are, uh, the world's not that bad. You know what I mean? Like, like, like I fun, I, I'm, I've only been hit five times. You know what I mean? That's not that bad. Uh, like, if you read Acts, they're getting it much worse than I'm getting it. So, um, yeah, so, so don't be scared of your neighbors. Like, invite them in. Go listen to Rosaria Butterfield if you know who she is. Um, and invite people into your home, be hospitable, be kind. Like, what I do is one component of ministry. Uh, if we're a body of Christ, everybody should be involved in some way, shape, or form. And if you're a young man, you want to join me, uh, I'm take some time off of school or whatever it is, feel free to join me, figure out if you can do it or want to do it. Um, but on the flip side, you guys can invite people into your homes and you can share the gospel and just don't overthink it. Like, it's a simple message, um, but we usually overthink it. Yeah, it seems like a lot of it is, you, as soon as you say gospel, a lot of times you think of concepts, ideas, not a person, mm -hmm. not God, the person you claim to have a living relationship with every day. And so, so much of preaching the gospel is you, you're preaching that to yourself probably every day. If you're staying current with your sins, that message, you're constantly hearing it because you're preaching it to yourself. And then you're able to adapt, apply what needs to be applied from the gospel to mm -hmm. that specific. And I'd also encourage everybody, like, if you can, like, tell stories about Jesus. Tell stories about Jesus and the woman at the well. Tell stories about Jesus washing the apostles' feet. Because the gospel's Jesus. And my problem, and it's my critique of myself, it's funny, I've been recording myself to try to do a podcast. And I'm just like, ugh. It's so painful to listen to myself. But one, like, I, I, I thought I had, like, the coolest voice in the world. I don't. <laughs> I, my, voice, my voice isn't as cool as I thought it was. Um, so I hate hearing it. But then within that, you're like, what a horrible answer. Like, like. Why, why did I say that? And, and, um, and within that, I just say flat out, I'm not telling about Jesus enough. It's Jesus, Jesus like he's hanging out with sinners. And the, like one of my favorite stories is the one where 
the, the, woman, the, the woman of ill repute is at the Pharisee's house and uh, anoints him with her tears and dries him with her hair, his feet, and all that sort of stuff. And like, why don't we just tell those stories about Jesus? And the reality of it is we will, like Aaron had his sermon, you know, taking 10,000 souls, we will take the campus, but the question is how do we take it? We take it through death and resurrection. And if you're not willing to die, if you're not willing to deny yourself, you're not going to take it. If you just want power and you just want to take it, if you just want ascension without any death and resurrection, you're not going to get there. But if you're willing to, like Joseph, be sold into slavery uh, for a period of time, then from there you're resurrected, you're able to feed your brothers and feed the world to be reconciled to them. And so what you guys need is to be able to grasp that, that in some way, shape, or form, you guys are going to... We have to go through a death. We've, we've had the privilege. We have had privilege in the United States of being Christians, being pretty free and blah, blah, blah. We have maybe not always utilized it to the best, but we will rule and reign the world through death and resurrection. And that's what we learn from Joseph. That's what we learn from Jesus. That's what we learn from the apostles. That's what we learn from the book of Revelation. So if you guys are willing to die, um, so to, and it's not going to be literal, but it's denying yourself, learning to serve and love people who aren't like you, um, you will win the campus. But it's, it's through death and resurrection. It's not all the glory that you just get it. You know what I mean? You, you get there through suffering, and you get there through death. And most of us don't want to go, go through any sort of suffering. And we think if there's suffering, we're doing something wrong. We all bought into a prosperity gospel in, in some sense. You know what I mean? We all have a little bit of that prosperity gospel. If my life's going well, God really loves me. Life's not going well, where's the love of God? And um, so the reality is when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he even was like, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So I don't want to downplay the, the sufferings that you've experienced. But at the end of the day, those sufferings, Joseph can say, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And so you guys will suffer. Uh, that's a good thing in, in, the, in the long term that you will rule and reign. So uh, I would say that's one of the things we've got to get used to as a church because it's coming. And if we're not willing to suffer, we'll see people peel off more from the gospel. So. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, last question before I open it up. So... Um, and we will finish up next week with part three of that interview. So thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Campus Church Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, demands, rebukes, exhortations, and if I could, uh, I guess, make one little solicitation. If you are looking at the end of your year and you're looking to donate uh, to a ministry, I would uh, ask you to perfectly consider supporting uh, my work uh, through the Campus Preacher, the Whitfield Fellowship. Uh, if you go to campuspreacher.com, um, there's a support tab in the upper right-hand corner, and you can go there and learn more um, about supporting me, either via PayPal or checks. And if you have any questions regarding that, feel free to contact uh, the Whitfield Fellowship, and we can help work through any questions you may have, uh, because we have some pretty good plans along with the Fight Life Feast Network in 2020. Uh, we hope to be buying a house to be able to do some discipleship and increase our evangelism uh, in certain capacities as far as inviting people in and hopefully taking more people on trips with us and all that sort of stuff, um, which means more resources and energy and all that sort of jazz. And um, so, yes, feel free to contact me if you have any questions, comments, demands, rebukes, exhortations. Merry Christmas. Talk to you next week. Lord bless you. Hoping and hope that he might see it grow. Knowing that the harvest might well come before the bloom. He runs on his way, there's no time to be going slow. Hurry, take what you've got, do with it what you can. Cause the good God in heaven needs.